word, we have Jesus, and we have worship. I think all those things are imperative to really have church. Okay. So today, when we talk about this in the temple, we come into a holy place. This, I believe this is a holy place. Not because of the building, not because of the carpet, not because of the pew or the wood, not because of the lights, but it's a holy place because this is where we come and intervene and also entertain with that which is holy, which is God himself. This is a place that we need to preach the word, and, and this is where the law is to be given. And this is also where Jesus needs to be seen without distractions. That's why we make it very clear that as people, we need to hide behind Jesus Christ. And if no one sees us, then if they see Jesus, we have had good church. Amen. So sometimes we have to get out of, out of the way so Jesus Christ can show up. If we're not careful, we think we can do it by what we entertain people with. And that is our talent and think, oh, we're anointed tonight. How do you figure we're anointed? Well, because it was really good. That don't make it anointed. I know there are a lot of people that have entertainment and they are, have great skills and ability to entertain people. But I'm going to tell you, just because it is entertaining does not mean it's anointed. And I, I, I want you to understand this. You can go to some concerts, but there's no anointing there. It might be good, but that don't mean it's anointed. And so when we come here, we have to make sure we understand that this is a holy place. Law is to be given here, but not only is it to be presented, but it also needs to be obeyed. Maybe we ought to get on that for a while. Because there are a lot of people that hear it, and the Bible says they have ears, but they hear not. They have eyes, but they see not. What does that mean? It means that it's being presented to you all day long, and even when we come to the house of God, it's being presented to you not only in creation, but it's being presented to you in church while the preacher is preaching. But if you're not careful, you won't hear a word that's being said because you have ears and hear not. How do you hear? Well, you hear through your obedience. That's what makes the difference. You really didn't hear it if you're not obeying it. And you're really not seeing it if you're not willing to walk the path. That's why it's important to really understand that this is a holy place. Why is that? Because it's not because we're here, but it's because he's here. And that with it being holy, the word needs to be holy to us. Come on now. And then when we say it's the light, Jesus is here. That's why we need to remove ourselves and say, okay, since Jesus is here, let's introduce people to Jesus rather than just introduce them to pastor. Let's introduce them to Jesus rather than introduce them to uplift coffee. Those are byproducts. We don't have those here because we believe that that's what's going to save you. We have those here so that we can get those people in so that once they get into the house of God, they are entertained by the Spirit of God, which is Jesus Christ himself. So the through that means we use everything we possibly can to get them to the truth. Hallelujah. 
Amen. That's why we believe it's important to paint the building every once in a while. That's why we think that we should clean up after everybody's gone on Sunday. Why? Because we believe that we need to make an impression for people to see that this is something we regard as high and important and holy. God gave us this. This is holy. This whole church is holy. It is holy. And that's why we need to take care of it as a holy place. Hallelujah. Why, 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 why? I keep answering this question over and over again, but it's because Jesus is here. It's holy because we are entertaining the Holy One that is in the house tonight. And you might say, well, why are we doing it on a Wednesday? Because he's here on Wednesday. And if you show up and you're the only one here, he'll be here on Thursday too. You might be surprised that he doesn't take a day off. Amen. Jesus is here. The light, the light, the light. This is also a place where worship needs to be offered. I believe when we come to this place that worship needs to be offered, then we have now exhausted everything in the holy place. Now it's time to come to the holiest of holies. Because you can do everything that we've done so far in the holy place and never, never enter into the holiest of holies. Where is the holiest of holies in this house tonight? I'll tell you where it's at. It's at the cross. Not just because Jesus is here, but he's leading you to the cross. Ah, somebody help your pastor tonight. Amen. He's not just here to make you feel good and open your blind eyes and, and unstop your deaf ears and, and hit you, uh, uh, heal your sickness. No, that's, that's not why he's here. Those are all earthly things. Why he's really here is he wants to take you to the cross and heal your eternal soul that's been damned by Adam and Eve falling in the garden over 6,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to take you from the holy place and get you into the holiest of holies. Praise God. He wants to get you into the holiest of holies. That's why we worship. I'll tell you why we worship. is because it creates a move of God that takes us somewhere. Amen. Someone said, well, why are you folks so demonstrative? I've even heard one preacher preach and say that he doesn't believe any kind of emotion is of God. That is a lie. I'm telling you that is a lie. Emotion comes from God. You don't think emotion is real? Hit your toe with a hammer, and I promise you, you'll show some emotion. You want to go to the other side of emotion? You find out someone gives you a million dollars and tell me you can stay quiet. Some of you almost get, get to shouting just with the idea of thinking about that million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, we don't, we don't only need a million. We need about four or five million for the church. I did. <laughs> To get this new building we're looking at. 
So worship, worship. Jesus can be in our presence, but until we really worship him, we will never understand how to get to the holiest of holies. That, my friend, is sweet in the nostrils of God. When you worship him, it takes you to a place where you have to sacrifice some things. It takes you to a cross. That's why you pick up your cross. Amen. Some of you are trying to pick up other people's cross. You need to pick up your own. Quit worrying about what they need to sacrifice. Why don't you start worrying about what you need to sacrifice and pick up your cross and follow Christ. Yay! Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Worship will get you there. Worship will get you there. That's why I'm going to tell you we raise our hands. We're Pentecostal from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. We believe in giving God emotion. And it may not do God any good, but it does Rob Bibb a whole lot of good. Amen. I know his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear, but I'm still going to shout, and I'm going to shout from the mountaintop. I'm going to shout with a voice of triumph. Why? Because it does my soul well. Amen. To give the Lord the glory that is due unto his name, and I'm going to give that to him tonight because I know my worship is going to take me places I would never be able to achieve. Had I not worshipped him. Amen. Amen. I like to get us all into the holiest of holies. Instead of us just being satisfied with holy places. But we need to get into the holiest of holies. When you start worshipping. He gives the invitation. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Hallelujah. Amen. Worship is not for the entertainment of each other. It's not so that we can say we feel good. It's not just a feel-good experience. It's a feeling that takes you to a place with Jesus Christ. It's a feeling of sacrifice that says, okay, Lord, I know I shouldn't be doing these things, and, and I'm going a direction that I know i got to give up some things. And i got to sacrifice some. If you're asking me to go to the cross, I'm not going to just dance around it and say, wow, we had good church tonight. And you just get excited while you're around the cross. He says, no, I need you to crawl up on that cross yourself and die with me so that through your worship you'll know what it is to make sacrifice. In the house of God. Amen. I believe every time we come before the King of Kings, we should bow before Him and let Him know that there has to be an offering. There has to be an offering. No one would come before the King without an offering. Here, to my King, I give you and I offer what I have. And that's why when we come to the house of God, we are serving not just a King, but the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so when I offer him something tonight, it's not just an emotion. No, it's an offering of worship that says I'm going to make some sacrifices and I'm going to live a different life than I have. In my past, I, I'm going to rise up out of my ruins and I'm going to get rid of some things that have held me back and I'm going to stand up strong on the Word of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost coming on your pastor. Amen. And somewhere we're going to rise up and say it's time to die on the cross so that we can experience the resurrection of my Savior. 
If you never get to the cross, if your worship never takes you to the cross, you don't know what it is to have a holiest of holies experience. You dance around in the holy place. You dance around in the things of the word. And, and you dance around because you see the light, but you really don't see it. And you hear the word, but you really don't hear it. Amen, because it doesn't change you. It doesn't cause you to get past the holy place and go through the curtain that was rent for you. Amen, some of you need deliverance. I'm talking about it tonight. Some of you need an answer from God. I'm talking about it tonight. Some of you need your healing with your marriage. I'm talking about it tonight. You got to get some worship going on in you. You got to get something happening that changes your destiny and gives you new purpose. You'll never know how to truly repent until you worship. Yeah. Repentance was to be confessed in the house of God. Praise is to be upon the lips of those that are in the temple. Hallelujah. It's a place of dancing. It's a place of rejoicing. It's a place where angels are to be entertained. The temple is a place where the change is being made. Worship takes you to that cross. God would speak and give direction to all of Israel when the priest would go through the curtain and there he would see the ark. See, the ark was the answer to Israel just like Calvary is the answer to us. God would speak to Israel and give direction. The cross is still speaking to us today. I don't have time to go into it, but when Cain killed Abel, the Bible said when God looked for Abel, he knew where he was at. He just said, Cain, where is thy brother? He said, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, Cain... Your, blood, your brother's blood is crying out of the earth. See, when you go to the cross, the blood that was spilt for you and I is crying out to us. Uh, he's still speaking. Come on, somebody, help me now. His blood, every drop that would fall to the earth is saying, avenge me of my adversary. That's exactly what he's saying. You want to be avenged from the things that has plagued your life? Follow him. When you worship, follow him. Don't dance around it. Don't turn to the left or the right of it. You got to face that cross and crawl up on it so that when his blood was shed for you, it speaks to you and says, now, now, now I'm getting somewhere. I got you now in the holiest of holies. Now I can speak to you. You haven't had direction until now. You didn't know your purpose until now. You didn't understand your identity until now. You don't even know why you was born until now. You've been complaining. You've been making all kinds of excuses as to why you can't do it. But if you get on the cross, you'll find out who you really are. 
because through him all things are possible. He will be the one that will speak through his blood to this generation that needs to hear the voice of God. His blood is speaking. His blood is speaking. Listen, don't come to church and just hear the noise, but hear the voice of God. Don't just come to church and dance around it, but get in it and learn to be changed by it. Amen. The Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. I don't know where you're at and what you've gone through, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's a voice of God speaking in this place right now as great as I've ever heard it. And I'm not talking about my words. I'm talking about the word of Jesus Christ that's going to come to you personally and give you a word that's going to apply to you and you only. While there may be just a handful here tonight, God will speak to each one of you individually. And if you'll open your ears, you'll hear the blood say, I want to avenge you. I want to save you. I want to avenge the blood of Abel. I want to speak to you. If you'll only open your ears to hear the voice of God. God will speak. God will speak. I'm going to talk about this for a little while. I'm not going to take up too much time, but I really feel that I'm speaking to someone here tonight that needs to hear this. Psalmist David says in Psalms 11.4, he says this. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord, in the fifth verse says, trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Look at this. Fourth verse. He is in his holy temple. Then he says his eyelids try. Worship gets us to the cross. But when he begins to speak, sometimes he goes silent. He goes silent and simply begins to lead with his eyes. It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. Possible for you to follow the Lord's lead if you are not face to face with Him. That's why I'm telling you, you have eyes. He's referring to people that don't know Him, have eyes but see not. You see your pastor preaching, you see the songs, you see the scriptures, you see. All of the things that are in the holy place, yet never enter into the holiest of holies because your eyes see not. It's so disappointing as a pastor when I see people walk out of the building 
two days later, they call me and say, Pastor, my, my life has fallen apart. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? After having church like we had on Sunday. Some of you might refute what I'm saying, but I'm going to tell you, if you really come in contact with the Lord, you can hear him and you can see him and you are face to face with him, you won't have to call the pastor. And I'm not saying you shouldn't call the pastor. I'm just saying that's not, that should be your last result. Because the Lord, if you are face to face with him, you can be going through hell and high water on Monday and keep your faith. And never lose your focus on him. The devil is good at creating distractions, but you gotta you gotta stay face to face. And the devil's over here trying to get your attention, and all the while you're just looking at the Lord and you're saying, Devil, you I don't even know what you're doing. You, all I see you as a peripheral view, out of the side of my peripheral view. I don't even know why you're over there because I'm paying attention to my Lord. And if I'm going through hell and high water, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is nothing in comparison to my God that I am face to face with. And so I am not going to allow those distractions. He says the Lord is in his holy temple. Not just a temple, now get this, but in his holy temple. So that means, listen to me very carefully, that means God can have a temple and not be in it. It belongs to God, but he's not in it. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the 19th verse, What? Know ye not that your body... Belongs to God? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That's what it was created for. But the problem is, God owns the temple, but he's not in it. It's a sad day when God himself is not welcome in his own house. That's what he's saying. He's saying, your body is his temple. I just want to come home. I just want to have a place that I can live within your body and within your temple. It means God can have a temple and not be in it. You belong to him, but is he in you? You belong to him, but is he in you? That's why we find in Matthew 21, 12, and Jesus went unto the temple. Where did he go? Temple of what? Temple of God. It belonged to him. But he didn't like what was going on on the inside. So he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Then Jesus says in the 13th verse, it is written. My house, my house, 
Not your house. My house. You've been selling doves. You've made this a den of thieves. That's not why I created this. That's not what it's for. You are his house. And he says, this house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it something that it's not. You have made it a den of thieves. You have turned what belongs to me into a place of debauchery. You have allowed sin to enter in and you use it for your own gain. You buy and sell your soul, but it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. I'm getting a little pastoral now. I, I've heard people say, go to church anywhere. Just as long as you go to church. Let me tell you, those are his temples. And I've heard people say, just as long as you believe in a God. You will be saved. Wrong. On both accounts, wrong. James 2.19 says this about the devil. Thou believest that there is one God, and you and I do well. But the problem is the devil also believes, but that don't mean he's saved. He believes, and it scares him to death. No pun intended, but maybe I should say pun intended. Because his whole exalting himself to be equal with God is what is going to condemn him to eternal damnation. Yet he believes. He believes. He believes. He's around it. He knows it. He's been in it. But he, it's not in him. He gets to walk to and fro from the earth and he looks at God's beautiful creation and he sees God everywhere. The earth was the holy place. But you know what he did? He deceived Eve and he turned it into something the earth was never meant and created to be. Well, I'm all over this tonight. All right. He trembles. Why does the devil tremble? Because he knows that just believing won't save him. Because believing only gives you an experience that is in holy places. And the holy place, you can never get it in you until you go into the holiest of holies. So the devil can even show up in the holy place, but he can't go into the holiest of holies because the holiest of holies is what's going on around you, but the holiest, or excuse me, the holy place is what's going on around you, but the holiest of holies is what's in you. Mm. I have often said, 
since we are born into God's family, we should bear family resemblance. I think we should look like God's children. It needs to be, and he needs to be in his holy temple. A little boy asked his mother, Mommy, if this is God's house, why isn't he ever home? That's a good question. Well, as I've been in a few churches, the only thing that was alive was the flowers growing outside the building. Been there. I'm like, I got a whole lot more action out of those flowers than I ever did with going into that church. Uh -huh. Mommy, if this is God's house, why isn't he ever home? Even question whether or not you can continue. But if you don't continue, where are you going to go? I, I, I've read that scripture over and over about returning the dog, uh, someone who, who goes back is like a dog returning to his own vomit. And that, that just don't sound good to me. I don't have, I, so, so I, I don't have any option when I start looking at God and vomit. I don't think you have to even be a rocket science scientist to, to understand that. I'm walking here and I'm having struggles. But I'm sure not going to turn around and look at this and say, hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, that's kind of to me, that's a no-brainer. And that's why Jesus says, come unto me. You, you, you're, you're complaining about all of the things that are going wrong. But have you ever thought that maybe he's trying to kill you? Yeah, yeah, he's trying to kill you. What's that mean? He's saying, get up on the cross. <laughs> Meaning, he's wanting all the sin in your life to be killed, and you're not letting go of it. And he's saying, I'm trying to kill it. You got things in the temple that don't belong there. And I need you to understand, my invitation is to tell you that I'm wanting to crucify some things in your life, and you're not quite dead yet. You're still living with your sin. You're still living with your lies. You're still living with the things that are going on. And he comes in and he's throwing over the money chambers. And he's saying, you've made it a place of thieves, a den of thieves. And then we're like, well, God, why in the world am I going through this? And the Lord's saying, because I'm just waiting for you to get on the cross and completely die. And until you're ready to die, you're going to still go through it. You're still going to go through it. And then after we get on the other side of the cross... Guess what? Problems don't go away. He says you must die out daily. What does that mean? That means there's going to be problems. There's going to be circumstances. There's going to be things in your life. But now that you've gone through the cross and you're in the holiest of holies, now you're showing that you can prove those things. Lord, 
I'm proven. I am grown. I am mature in you, and I'm going to get past these things. And I'm not a child anymore. I've already gone through the death, the burial, the resurrection. I've been baptized in your name. And, Lord, I've spoken other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. And now here I am standing in a place over and over again. This problem keeps coming to me, but I graduate from the third grade, then the fourth grade, and the fifth grade, and the sixth grade until I graduate. And then I'm going to go to college. Then I go to college, and then I'm going to go get my master's degree, and then I go get my master's degree, and then I go to get my doctorate's degree. I just keep learning and growing and learning and growing and learning and growing until the Lord says, now, now I'm getting you where I need you to be. You want ministry? You got to die. I mean, you want to talk to someone about God? You got to get past some things. If you want to be what I've called you to be, then your suffering is what I have given you that you might overcome. Overcome the distractions. He says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest how? That doesn't mean the problem's going to go away. But that just means God's going to give you the strength and the power to partner with you to get through every circumstance that is in your life. He's giving you a personal invitation to come unto him, to come to his holy place, holy place, not just church, not just this place, but holy place. I'm tired. I have to mend. I'm tired at times. I need a break too, you know. Not easy being a pastor. It's not. It's, oh yeah. <laughs> I sure wasn't fishing for a compliment, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's not easy being a pastor. Some people think that don't all I do is study for my 30, 40 minutes. If I'm feeling good, two an hour and a half message. <laughs> They think that's all it is to pastoring. No, there's more to pastoring than that. The phone calls that come in from multiple people falling apart, life. It's just dealing them another blow, and then they have to try to find a way to get back up and go on and move on. Worrying about departments. All the things that come along with it emotionally, psychologically. I get tired. I get tired. There been times life has been getting to me, you know? I'm telling you, I'm just kind of opening my heart right now. Some of you think, wow, Pastor Roy, I'm here. No, I'm not. There's sometimes I'm beneath you in, in my, probably my, uh, psychological state sometimes. I have to have people around me like Brother Wilson, Brother Hawks. He, he never gets down. He's, he's always happy. He's just, look at that. Look, see that big smile on his face? See? He, just, that smile just get me all worked up and say, man, I can do this, you know. God's bringing people around me uh, that, that helps me overcome some things. And My wife, sometimes she's a little more brutally honest than what I'd care for her to be, but <laughs> I get down. 
But you know, I have come to this conclusion that, that when life is getting to me and the pressure is high and discouragement starts setting in, and I'm hurting, I'm hurting. I know what it's like to love people more than they love you. And you give your life to them and then they walk away as though you didn't matter to them at all. I know what that's like. I've had spiritual insomnia. <laughs> can't rest, can't sleep because I'm worrying about everybody. Four o'clock in the morning I'm saying, I wish my mind could just, I could turn it off, but I, I can't. And there have even been times when fear has overtaken my mind. Now I'm going to be brutally honest with you. With this COVID-19 stuff, I was afraid about opening the church up. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope I'm doing everything right. Someone was worried because I said fear. But we all have fear. Don't kid yourself and don't lie to yourself. We all have fear. I'm being honest with you. I have fear. Am I doing the right thing? And I wasn't sure. But I absolutely felt like it was of God. And so I, I had fear. I've come to this conclusion that there's nothing more important than that invitation. That's why I can worship him even when my day hasn't gone well. That's why. And I'm sure all of you know what I'm talking about. Where you just keep your eyes focused on God and you, you don't quit. Because you know that he is faithful. You know that. You know that. So I always sometimes just put my head down, keep my mouth shut. Brother Heron knows on occasion, he's come to me and said, Pastor, how are you doing? He'll call me out of the blue, and I'm like, how in the world do you know all this stuff about your pastor? And he said, because I keep an eye on you. <laughs> I'm watching you, Pastor. But I've learned this one thing, that when the Lord gives me an invitation, if I just follow after him, he will take me into the holy temple. Not just the house of God, but into the holy temple. See, an invitation has to be made, though. The invitation has to be made. You can't just go in because you think you deserve it. You gotta be called. Called to His holy temple. Because if you're not careful, you'll have an expectation of something that you haven't gone through the proper process to receive it. You can't get Calvary until you first, you can't get the resurrection rather until you first take the Calvary. Some people want all the resurrection stuff, but they're not willing to die first. See, some people want the blessing, but they're not willing to repent first. you gotta, you got to come the direction of the invitation. When he invites you through the front door, you don't go break a window and go through the bedroom. Invitation. It's called breaking and entering. He's the only one that can open the door and give you an invitation into the holy place. Then only he can host celebration because he's the one that has called you in. So he overthrew 
tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. He said, this is my house and it's a, my house and it shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Man, I have so much more here that I'd like to preach on, but it's already 8.36 and I'm going to ask you to stand. If you feel comfortable doing this, I'm going to ask you to step out. We're going to come down here and stand for just a little while as a family. And we're going to take a few moments and see if you and I are willing to go into the holiest of holies. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Crawl up on that cross. Crawl up on that cross. If you are truly willing to crawl up on the cross and say, tonight is the night to which I will crucify some things in my life, then when you walk out that door, you need to claim it believe it and don't let the devil lie to you and say you didn't receive it but you need to claim that tonight is the night of the paradigm shift and the change in your life this is the first step the invitation has been made we have given worship to the Lord tonight and it has led us to this place right here right here this altar we are feeling the presence of God right now it has brought us to this place. And he says, if you really did, and if you really are sincere about being on the cross with him, then tonight ought to be a night for change. That you're coming into a covenant with the Lord right now and saying, Lord, I'm ready to make some changes in my life. Changes not that are grievance to the Word of God, but changes that correlate with the Word of God. Not to walk away and say, I'm going to do some, make some changes in my life that God is not pleased with. I'm talking about making changes that are according to the Word of God. Because a lot of people will say, well, God told me to divorce my wife. No, He didn't. God told me that I needed to do this and do that. No, you, 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 need to, you need to make sure you understand biblical reasons why you do what you do and you don't do what you don't. You're not supposed to do. You need to understand those values. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I'm going to ask you, if you feel comfortable doing it, to raise your hands. And the reason I'm asking you to raise your hands is because that's a sign of surrendering. I surrender, I surrender. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the devil has done everything in his power to attack and to destroy your children. And I pray a hedge of protection around them and that wherever there is a gap, we pray, Lord, that you will be the hedge that will make up the gap that is in their life. I pray a prayer of power and anointing upon them. I pray also, God, that you would give them the strength and the wisdom to stand strong against the things that are destroying them. That they can put away sin put away those things that are evil in your eyes. That we will have no other gods before us, but God you'll be first and foremost and that we won't drag you off the cross and put our or drag you off the throne and put ourselves on the throne, but we'll get up on the cross with you and we'll die with you. Right now I speak against you, devil. And I rebuke you 
in the name of Jesus Christ. And in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Because we know there's no other name under heaven given among men where all of must be saved. And so in this, let this word resonate in every heart. Let it be true. In Jesus' name, with yea, yea, and nay, nay. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all say amen. Amen. God bless you.